study of the fundamental patterns, structures, processes, systems, and principles that underlie the manifest universe that we can we, 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 we're discerning them and there's a lot of people have been doing this for centuries really okay guys welcome back to the Grand America show uh, we are going to be chatting with Marshall Lefferts a little bit later uh, fantastic chat one of Graham's favorites <laughs> <laughs> he's from the Resonance Foundation and uh, he's kind of we have Adam Apollo coming up in a few weeks and it fits in well with that it kind of fits in with the Jamie Janover stuff we did before in the unified field theory. So it's great stuff. He helped um, with Thrive too, produce Thrive. Yeah, he was in on Thrive and we've been running into a lot of art crystals lately. So that's kind of a neat synchro. So yeah, it's a great chat, fun chat. Uh, <clears throat> I think you guys will enjoy it. It was mind blowing. And uh, speaking of mind blowing, we got. Uh, the co-hostest with the mostest over here, Graham Wherewithal Dunlop. How's hey, it buddy. going, buddy? <clears throat> I'm good. You yeah. have the wherewithal to get through this intro? I do. Right I, do. I have the means. You have the means? Yeah. And the money? And no, the, what I was it? Money, oh. Just means and money, I think. Money and means. Yeah, yeah. we wanted to bring out uh, Marshall's episode a little bit a uh, little bit earlier. We have a bunch in the can right now, but his book, his awesome book, Cosmometry, is coming out. If it hasn't been out already, actually, uh, I think it was at the end of the... Last week, or last week. Anyways, we wanted to make it timely for that. Timely. Help him with it, because it's a fantastic book. He's been working on it for years. It's going to be one that we're going to have in the studio to reference, I'm sure. Did you order a copy? No, not yet. It'd be nice to get a hardcover one of yeah, those. Yeah, we should try and do that. But right. they're, they're expensive. I mean, the book I bought the other day on Magic was like 40 bucks, I think. Jesus. You yeah. save your receipts? I, I, I know. I you got to save all your receipts, huh? Jesus. Those yeah. will come in handy one day. Yeah. All the books. I probably did. Good. Yeah. Luckily, you get most of them online. That's the thing is when you get most of stuff online, you just have that receipt. That's one of the bonuses. I bought it in person. Online. I wanted it in person. If it wasn't for like the PayPal, keeping track of most of our payments, those first few years would be just a black hole. Actually, you did a real good job of keeping track of the first like eight grand we spent off your credit card. Mm-hmm. Remember that day when we paid that off? Like a celebration? I didn't even know. You didn't even tell me we were close. Yeah. And you're like, we're paid up. Yeah, that was good. Hey. hey. <laughs> uh, so, what do you want to start with? Uh, I don't do you know. Wanna, I got a couple you, you wanted to do more of a, do you want to do your Marshall bio now? Or do you want to no, do that no, right no, before no. we wrap right this right before up? before we wrap it up. Okay. So, why don't we do, uh, why don't we start like this then? We'll do some... Bingo, bingo, social media jingle. Don't forget to rate, comment, and or subscribe to the Grime America newsletter. Bingo. Are you prepared for this? No, I'm really just doing it on the fly. I don't like to. you don't like I don't to like to get too prepared for stuff. Uh, I'm just going to go right to the YouTubes because it's the best spot. So we're going to jump into that. We're going to feed the trolls this week. We got on the very first Randall Carlson intro or Randall Carlson episode. The very first one? The very first one from Alan Malcheski, Okotoki. So there are signs of earth moving equipment 
Any signs of rock carving, rock chiseling, rocks that look like blocks, any grooves that look straight and parallel, there are places in ore with similar names. I don't get that one. Uh, from Jade Rose on the Jindu episode. Nice. Wow. Love the Jindu's channel. I've learned so much about ancient civilizations that I was never taught in school. It has opened up my mind to how much of our history has been buried under misinformation and hidden agendas. Keep up the amazing work. Love this podcast. Wow. Oh, here we go. Here's some episodes, some more comments from a little earlier from Adam Allen Melcheski on the Randall Carlson episode that might actually, you know what? I've, oh, yeah, this is a different. So he's going right now, he's going through our entire Randall Carlson back oh, catalog by the looks of it. Here's something that might help people understand why certain theories garner praise while other credible theories are attacked as. Well, there are sexist icebergs now, so as less credible than Randall's than that. Randall's brain and your brains work in 3D with time as a catalyst. Look at the Darwinists and their list of proofs which proves macroevolution. Then look at the flat earthers and their list of proofs that the earth is flat. The flatheads have eight times more proofs than the Darwinists. Neither group have proof, but the flatties are more prepared for debate than the Darwinists. <laughs> I've argued with Darwinists and I don't even know what Darwin said. Now, the Earth is a spheroid, as R.C. says. I agree. But I highly doubt R.C. can explain all the proofs that the flatheads have, actually, because I doubt his understanding of relativity is complete enough, or that he or any of you know what significance it all has concerning politics. He wow. isn't being a denier. Denier, he's just sensible. Ah, here's another one. Deniner, I like that. Deniner. Deniner. <laughs> Full swing. In what way has Hancock played an integral part in changing the mainstream paradigms? Mainstream scientists and archaeologists would not waste their time with him as he knows nothing, has no qualifications, training, experience, or aptitude for any science. He is a writer of pseudoscience who is in it solely for the money. It's ironic that someone who has never done one day's work as an archaeologist can sell books many times more easily than professional archaeologists could dream of. This is due to the stupidity and gullibility of his target audience. In the pre-publication blurb, it was promised that Hancock would bring his lost civilization narrative to a stunning conclusion. I didn't notice it, and I am not stunned. Could any of you Hancock suckers? <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. Please point it out for me. Apart from some vague notion that it was somewhere in North America, no evidence produced, of course, it was the same old pseudo-scientific bullshit who has been peddling for decades. Wow. And I said, archaeology is pseudoscience. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah. What a troll. And he said, archaeology is entirely evidence-driven. That's why you find people sifting through the earth a millimeter at a time, recording the data, and analyzing artifacts using modern technology. Everything we know about ancient history is due to archaeologists. Hancock has discovered nothing. Maybe instead of blurting out cliched, predictable memes like you did, why don't you produce some evidence that this fraud junkie journalist has found? Wow, that's pretty yeah. trolly. This is pretty trolly. He's put a lot of effort into it. A lot of effort into his troll. I'm pretty sure Hancock's... Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of evidence in America before. Well, plus he's pretty forward about saying when he doesn't have evidence. And when he does, I mean... I, uh, Amazing work, all three of you. Fascinating. Graham's voice is so soothing, like ASMR. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> wow. 
Some good questions you asked. Pretty subjective, all this, though, in my opinion. What episode is this from now? Uh, this is on out. Martin Sweatman. Oh, yeah. yeah. From Alan Green Returns to Grand America. Thanks. I was sort of looking forward. I was looking forward to hearing from Alan Green again. We got... Uh... Okay. Well, you want, should we just wrap it up? Yeah, I... let's wrap it up. Okay. Thanks to thanks to the trolls. All right. Thanks to the trolls for feeding the uh, content stream for a little while. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate that shit. It's fabulous. Ghetto fabulous. Oh, there's Craig Flowers. Here you go, Craig Flowers. This one's for you, buddy. Craig recorded that and sent it in and gave us the rights to it. Sounds nice of him. Okay, Thank what you. do you got? You turn. You t take the ship for a little bit here. Huh? Yeah, man. Well, I gotta, I, I gotta talk about a synchronicity from CAC contact to the cabin. It's not from there, but I heard it there, and then um, you saved it all this time. No, she uh, <clears throat> emailed you. No, the one I forwarded you today. Yeah. All right, let's get into it with some of this. I want a good score from a synchronicity. Graham reads it out, then Daramite give it to me. Hey, don't you please read it low, yeah, yeah. Have you ever talked to those boys? In the Reflective Air podcast? Oh, well, it's, yeah, I mean, it fell apart, but I, I miss that guy. Well, you're I used to there, email every now and then, yeah. Marksman? No. I heard I heard from him a couple of years ago. When we, when we were trying to get an unaffiliated start, he was like, be careful, guys. That's tough to do. Tough to hit all that mainstream stuff. And now, I mean, look at how things have gone since then. Off the rails. I well, mean, if you're you know, still I mean, out there, shoot us an email. But yeah, I missed the Reflective Air podcast. Graham's email is still the same. Hasn't changed. GrahamWorkAmerica.com. Love to hear your stories and synchros and all that stuff. Yeah, we love that shit. It's great. So I heard this, and this is the type of stories that we were hearing right. at Contact at the Cabin from people. Fantastic. Everybody has, you know, something to share, something unexplainable or something unique that's happened. So, um... This is from Dana, and she figured she should send it to Darren because I've heard it in person. This is the type of stuff that it blows you away. I didn't read it. I know he didn't. Yeah. Hi there, Dana from Dan and Dana, CAC 2019. This message is mostly for Darren because I already told Graham in person at the lodge. So want to hear a synchro? Here it goes. My mom and Dan's mom have been best friends since high school in California. My family moved to Hawaii when we were young. We came back to Cali after we grew up. I reconnect with Dan briefly and went on a few dates. At the time, I had two young children. And I felt I couldn't keep up with his adventures. Um, let me see if I have a babysitter kind of deal. So I backed off because I felt he deserved so much better. He, in the meantime, found a partner and I cut off social media ties to him. 
he gets engaged. A few years go by. So this is the key. A few years go by, and I have a dream about Dan. In my dream, he was sitting by a campfire with his hands in his pockets of a dark-colored hoodie. He tipped forward and fell into the campfire. He burned his hands and knees. His left hand was burned more than his right, but he was going to be okay. In the morning, I wake up and tell my mom about the dream. She laughs at me. Hmm, I wonder what the left hand means. Maybe anything to do with an engagement? Or with the engagement? Actually, see, she didn't talk about that part in the, in the story. So when we look up in her dream dictionary about some key details, not too long after the same morning, she gets a call from Dan's mom. Dan fell into the campfire last night. His hands are badly burned along with his knees. He's at UC Davis burn unit and doesn't know how the healing is or, or the extent of the damage done. It wasn't until weeks later that they found out that his left hand was worse than his right. My mom and I sat there in utter silence for a long while. I dreamt Dan was in the fire the night he fell into the fire. Since he was partnered with someone, I never mentioned it to him, and at the time, we still didn't have communication. It wasn't until a little more than a year ago when I was moving back to the same town in California and found out the engagement was called off that I mentioned it to him. I talked about the details in the dream that we that we not made public. Needless to say, he was hella tripping balls. Haha, <laughs> and so ever since then, this has been the most amazing relationship I've ever imagined. Perfect to the point of cliche. And only instead of the generic good night, sleep well, our send off is good night and don't dream about me. <laughs> Interesting. Not a synchro. Well, I think it's a ripple stick. It's more of a precog, but we don't have a jingle for that. You still gotta rate it. I gotta rate it? Yeah. She rated it. Because she did it on the website. You want to explain to people? For one thing, yeah. I don't answer to you. you I will rate it if I want to. I answer to the donators, specifically. Supporters. All right, I'll give it a uh, 8.2. 8.2? It's got to be better than that. I mean, how, how, how else no, is that? No, listen, put, put tip in the scales of justice. And I like Dan and Dada. They're great. They're great people. I miss them immensely. Yeah. They're not getting higher than 8.2. Wow, okay. I don't know how the website works, to be perfectly honest. But that came from the website, I think. You can you can write it into the website and then uh, put your own rating on there. I so she asked for a 10, I think. She uh, she rated it a 10. Well, of course she did. Um, I think what you do... The well, I, I think I'd like to explain a little bit more about that. Because okay, from what I remember... From what I remember, her mom told her fairly quickly that Dan was in the fire. And I don't think her mom has heard from Dan's mom in a long time either. Like, not years, but. So, you know, it wasn't like the communication lines were open all the time and all that. So it was a weird, you know, once in a kind of yearly thing type thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, the website's not working, so. <laughs> <laughs> America.ca slash support. 
Maybe it's because there's so many people on there right now. Or, you know, it's probably got something to do with that cloud flare, flare thing or whatever the fuck's been going on. Yeah, maybe. Or we've been censored. That's what Graham's going to. There it is. So you go there, and then you go to report room. Okay. Okay. Good. Report room in the grammarica.ca. Okay, good. Thanks. But I also like to get emails. And then there's a synchro submission form and a UFO report form. Nice. Yeah. So uh, do you want to get into your fight with Adam Curry? The fight you no, picked no, with the no. no Agenda podcast? No, no, no. I didn't pick a fight. Oh. We don't have to. Why, why do I want to? Yeah, of the month. month. I think we had a wor- one worse show than this. It's oh. pretty bad. But this June swoon. Is it June swoon? Do you think or we're in the June people swoon? just uh, don't like maybe our content? Maybe they're sick of it. Maybe they're sick of us. Maybe uh, maybe I haven't been agreeing. This is Adam's grammar impression platform. coming up. Here it is. Mad. Here it is. Sending me notes. <laughs> Wake up, man. Don't you see what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> that is Adam Curry's impression of our own Graham Dunlop. <laughs> so it's an honor in a way. It's not. It's of a, of a community of me, people like me. <laughs> It's not just it, me. There's a no. lot of people that were, I'm certain it's you specifically. No, he sent you a nasty email like five minutes before we went on the air. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's a couple hours. Yeah, it wasn't long before though. You were definitely in the forefront I apologized. of his consciousness when he hit the record button. There's a few of us, I'm pretty sure. You're pretty sure, but you yeah. have no evidence. Evidence. Not hard evidence. You just assume it. And you because did say he's, he's he's mentioned it a few times. When this comes up, it's always a bunch of people. So And you did yeah. use the term wake up in your email. I did. Cuz yeah. I feel like they're minimizing the censorship thing. So Wake up, man. <laughs> <laughs> and and they don't see it as minimizing it because they think that the it's the ad revenue, the brand safety is the big reason for the censorship. And I think there's some there's some um, virtue signaling and outrage that's been going on, and that's why the, these are toxic brands. I mean, there's a reason. They're not getting to the bottom of why the brands are toxic right now. Not why the brands are. Why, firing back. why the content is. We're firing back? No, I'm just saying that okay. this is, you know. I get that whole part of it. The ad revenue is huge. It's a big part. What percentage? But why is everything toxic? What percentage? Like, 75, Ooh. 50 maybe. You rolled that back to fucking 33%. <laughs> Jesus. I, it's, it's not a percentage thing. It's just there's something else going on with social engineering. And well, they're, they're not really, there's, 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 there's deeper reasons with, why there's. There's a problem with a bunch of big tech fucking <clears throat> tards that think they're Here's gods. The, and then there's another problem with a bunch of leftists working at the companies that are probably quicker to implement strikes against those other people. And there's there's probably, you know, like an amalgamation of problems all pointing against the right, as you would call well, it right in, now. Well, independent as well. I mean, there's also censorship of independent media regardless of it's happening to the left and the right. So it's not just a, you know, I also don't want to get thought of that, that we're just talking about it's just, you know, conservative censorship or whatever. But when, when you have executives at Google calling Guys like Dave Rubin, who used to be on the left, calling them Nazis with dog whistles. I mean, that's that's not because of ad revenue. That's because they have a 
they're outraged about that. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Interesting. They think they can change the world, right? They have, but they have strong opinions about these people and calling them names like that. Twitter banned Joe Biggs today or yesterday. Who's Joe Biggs? He used to be on Inf- Infowars and stuff. Really? He's bitched about Antifa all the time. Really? Yeah. Oh, so Antifa can just go around punching journalists and stuff and knocking them into they the... They can't punch him on Twitter, apparently. Did they get kicked off Twitter too? I don't know. If Antifa's violent, do they get Because Buddy got Twitter? fucked up too, right? What's his name? Andy NGO or whatever? Yeah. Andy No-Go? Andy No, I think it is. Andy Gno? <laughs> Andy... Non-government organization, <laughs> uh, and Portland's a no-go zone. I can sign on with that. I'm okay with that. <clears throat> I love Ephraim Palermo to death, but uh, I can't risk getting beat up in Portland because I can't keep my mouth shut. You know, you'd be walking around Portland, someone recognize you. That fucker grabbed Dunlop. All right. <laughs> get fucking smashed in the face with a cement-filled milkshake cup. Happens that fast. Dude, milkshakes milkshakes are an issue as well. I mean, come on. You can't start throwing drinks at people. What if, your re- what if your reaction is to fucking punch somebody back in the face or you're going to slip and fall or you're dodging shit? Like, who knows what's getting thrown at you? You can't just throw shit at people. I would There's got to be a line. <laughs> like, when I grew up, it was, you don't, you know, violence is the line, right? You shouldn't be able to, like, just, like, walk down the street yelling in someone's face either. If you do that to me, I'd probably punch you eventually. Well, you should, I could put up with it for so long. Depends on what you're yelling, I guess. If you're calling for violence, then that's bad. But you, if you're just calling names, then whatever. Like, people aren't going to put up with that. I'm going to hire someone to just follow you around calling you names for a while. See how long <laughs> it takes you to punch him. Maybe that's a good way to and get donations. He'll have a GoPro. <laughs> he'll have a GoPro on him. Watching ground. Just see how long I can before before (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what happens. You'll punch him. What's he gonna call me names? Like call me short and short. All the ones that aren't hate crimes in Canada. Short, (laughs) fat, bald, (laughs) old, slow. I thought you weren't slow. I'm not, but I think you'll call me slow. (laughs) Yeah. Profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? Profound quote of All right, going to my trusty book, The Octopus of Global Control from Charlie Robinson. I thought this would be an applicable one for Marshall. And they might wonder whether we had a legion of talented lobbyists or friends in the right places. Tom knows me well, knows how pathetic the beginnings of the Common Core standards were. Think of a napkin. Think of a few people in a room with an idea. Ah, uh, that's what's his name? They educate? No. no. It's uh, David Coleman, architect of Common Core. Oh. 
the napkin mathematician. Not a boy. I, uh, okay, go ahead. Who do I usually say? Or don't you just switch books? Not for this one. Okay. The core mathematics standards are written to reflect very low expectations. More exactly, the explicitly stated objective is to prepare students not to have to take remedial mathematics courses at a typical community college. They do not even cover all the topics that are required for admission to any of the state universities around the country, except possibly those in Arizona, since the minimal expectations at these schools are three years of mathematics, including at least two years of algebra and one of geometry. Currently, about 40% of entering college freshmen has to take remedial math. For students, for such students, there is less than a 2% chance that they will ever successfully take a college calculus course. But calculus is required in major to major in essentially all of the most critical areas. Engineering, economics, medicine, computer sciences, the sciences, just to name a few. I don't know. That's Dr. James Milgram, Stanford University, mathematician. You know, I thought it might be him, (laughs) but it was a risk. So the contact at the cabin website's up and running. I should mention that. Okay. People can officially head over to contactatthecabin.com and check out our next event, uh, which is Dave Matheson, April 16th and 19th. 2020. So head over to the webpage. We whipped it up. I whipped it up mostly last week. Um, so you can go check that out. It's got all the pricing structures and the dates. If you want to do a deposit, you can just uh, email me, Darren at GrahamAmerica.com. We'll get you going there. It's going to be a great time. And uh, <clears throat> I think, you know, if everyone has emailed me saying they're going, sends a deposit, then that's, we're probably 50% sold right now. Uh, you know, because we're only going to have a fraction of the seats we had for the Randall Carlson one, because we're only doing one, one, uh, three days. We're not doing 10 days and we're not doing multiple groups. One group, boom, Bryce Canyon, Zion Canyon, star miss with her man, Dave Matheson, friend of the show. I think he's been on four times. Plus he's been in the black budget a couple times. Fabulous cat. And, uh, of course our friend Brandon Powell, who was just on the show a couple weeks ago. I don't think that episode was... The episode hasn't come out for the podcast yet, but it's on the YouTube channel. Anyway, he's going to come out. He's going to teach us all the Wim Hof method. We're going to do the cold immersion. We're going to do all that. So head over, contact at thecabin.com. Check out all that fantastic stuff. While you're on the internet, when you're done there, head over to america.ca slash support and support the show because we need some support. It's the June swoon, as Adam Curry says. Or everyone's pissed off at Graham for the censorship thing. But I don't think so. Anyway, head over. GrahamAmerica.ca slash support. Support the show. We're doing this two shows a week thing right now. We yep. just started that. We came up with the show on Tuesday. Now we got this show coming out. Now it's Friday. Two shows. We're going to keep that up for a little while here. And uh, we were doing the drive to 200 patrons. We're up to 102 and then it did the cleanup at the end of the month for cleans out the people whose credit cards have failed more than twice and deletes them. So we're down to 98. Oh. <laughs> so we need 102 to go. So we went from 98 to 102 to go. So, you know, grandamerica.ca slash Patreon. If you want to keep the, well, I think we said if we had a, if we're up to 200 patrons by the end of July, 
we would keep going two shows a week. So uh, that's up to you guys. The future of uh, two shows a week is literally in your hands. You guys say you want more content, now you have to put your fucking money where your mouth is. America.ca slash support, give you all the different ways you can do that. And of course you get the black budget feed, which we just uh, finally got chugging again after a few uh, months off with the conference fiasco and everything else. Trying to get the conference off the ground and going and panicking for that and traveling. We had gone a month or so without putting any content there, but just uploaded an episode the other day. We got some more in the can. We're waiting to release. Yeah, a bunch of good reasons to head over to grandamerica.ca slash support. Start supporting the show today. You got anything else? Yeah, well, I was going to do a, a segment on <clears throat> kind of continuation from last week about geoengineering and the geoengineers and their, you know, wanting to spray sulfur and shit into the atmosphere. But maybe I'll save that for another no, show. No, you could do that because I'm going to save my... Adventures to the Medicine Wheel for next show. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, and and that well, I'm gonna since then I'm gonna CE five at that same Medicine Wheel on the Saturday, so maybe we'll do like a little wrap up of that next show. Well, the next show, I mean, in oh, like, like five the, minutes. Like in five minutes. So okay. we could do my adventure and your adventure. We'll see okay. how you fare. Okay. Uh, so well, this is just a you know <clears throat> an email here about Graham is an all in believer in chemtrails. You played a lot of air guitar as a kid, didn't you? No. I seen you a lot. So it's kind of like a a weird headline here, but it's geoengineer Alan Robach prefers nozzles to spray chemtrails. Of course. Or to spray chemicals, does it say? Or chemtrails? Chemtrails. So it's saying that... um, They analyzed the exhaust plumes from this Airbus A380 to provide evidence that they're spraying chemical com- compounds in a covert geoengineering operation. So, and it's ba- basically producing artificial clouds. So the observable e- evidence is confirmed by geoengineer Alan Robach, who admittedly prefers using nozzles to spray sulfuric acid into the stratosphere to cool the planet as a hedge against global warming. So <clears throat> it talks about options for dispersing gases and that includes the addition of sulfur to the fuel, which would release aerosol through the exhaust system of the plane, or the attachment of nozzle to release the sulfur from its own tank within the plane, which would be a better option. Putting sulfur in the fuel would have a have the problem that if the sulfur concentration were too high in the fuel, it would be corrosive and affect the combustion. Also, it would be necessary to separate fuel tanks for the use in stratosphere and in the troposphere to avoid sulfate aerosol pollution in the troposphere. So then they show a bunch of pictures of some nozzles and stuff. But the interesting part of this is uh, is uh, the link to this published published article in uh, – it's not even an article. It's a paper from 2009, and it's from the Advancing Earth and Space Science. And it's geophys- geophysical research letters. And it's talking about the benefits, risks, and costs. So this, keep in mind this is 10 years ago. It's the benefits, risks, and costs of stratospheric geoengineering. So the abstract of this paper is injecting sulfate aerosol precursors into the stratosphere has been suggested as a means of geoengineering to cool the planet and reduce global warming. The decision to implement such a scheme would require a comparison of benefits, dangers, and costs to those of other responses to global warming, including doing nothing. Here we evaluate those factors for stratospheric geoengineering with sulfate aerosols. 
using existing U.S. military fighter and tanker planes, the annual cost of injecting aerosol precursors into the lower atmosphere would be several billion dollars. Using artillery or balloons to loft the gas would be much more expensive. We do not have enough information to evaluate more exotic techniques, such as pumping the gas up through a hose attached to a tower or balloon system. I mean, l- l- listen to the me- the ways. Listen to the extreme they're going to, to get gas into the atmosphere to stop global warming. Anthropogenic stratospheric aerosol injection would cool the planet, stop the melting of the sea ice and land-based glaciers, slow sea level rise, and increase the terrestrial carbon sink, but produce regional drought, ozone depletion, less sunlight for solar power, and make skies less blue. (laughs) Furthermore, it would hamper Earth-based optical astronomy to do do nothing to stop ocean acidification and present many ethical and moral issues. Further work is needed to quantify many of these factors to allow informed decision-making. So it goes on to talk, though, that was just the... I wonder uh, what color the sky would be. That was just well, like it is right now. It's I mean, gray. This, is, this is kind of a hint. This oh. is 10 years ago. So the introduction is global warming will continue for decades due to anthropogenic emissions of greenhouse gases and aerosols, and they link to the IPCC 2007, and they're talking about negative consequences. Although currently, oh, this is good. This is cute. Although currently impossible as there are no means of ejecting aerosols other or their precursors into the atmosphere, the stratosphere, the possibility of geoengineering the climate is now being discussed in addition to the conventional potential responses of mitigation, reducing emissions and adaptation. So they go back to like some older uh, talks about this, 1974, 1976, 1996, and they talk about it being the proposal for solar radiation management. I mean, we've all heard this before, but this is interesting seeing a paper where they discuss this. And um, I don't want to read all of this, but they just keep going on about uh, the climate change emergency 20 reasons why geoengineering may be a bad idea. Those are lists updated here. Benefits. So there's a table what I wanted to get to. I'll read you the table. It's it's actually quite, it's quite outrageous. Outrageous table? Well, it's, it's, the the, the risks outweigh the, I mean, it's just, it's mind blowing. Just trying to browse through a little bit more to talk about this. Okay, let's just read the table. This is it. So the benefits. Cool the planet. Reduce or reverse sea ice melting. Reduce or reverse land ice sheet melting. Three positives. Reduce or reverse sea level rise. Four positives. Increase plant productivity. Five positives. Increase terrestrial CO2 sink. Six positives. Risks. Now keep in mind, they're saying that they're not doing this yet. But we've seen stuff from Jim Lee when they increase the chemical composition of the, of the jet fuel they use. Mm-hmm. For one thing. And all the patents. Anyways, the risks. Drought in Africa and Asia. Ah, who cares? Continued ocean acidification from CO2. You don't care? Do you think they care? Clearly not. As long as we're solving the global warming problem. Ozone depletion. No more blue skies. Less solar power. Environmental impact of implementation. 
Rapid warming if stopped. What? <laughs> cannot stop effects quickly. Human error. Unexpected consequences. Commercial control. Military use of technology. Conflicts with current treaties. Whose hand on the thermostat? Ruin terrestrial optical astronomy. Moral hazard. The prospect of working would reduce drive for mitigation. And the last one is moral authority. Do we have the right to do this? So I'm glad they listed all the negatives, that's for sure. You think they listened to all that? It was a tie, I think. Right. Oh, wow, they've got the costs from different different planes. They got quotes. F F fifteen Eagle. Hundred and sixty seven flights. Hundred and sixty seven with three flights a day. <laughs> Costs of different methods. Cost of different methods of injecting one TG. What would that be? I have no idea. <clears throat> of a sulfur gas year per year into the stratosphere. So there's a F the payload, eight tons for F sixteen E F fifteen Eagle, one hundred and sixty seven those planes with three flights a day, the K C one thirty five tanker. 15 of those, three flights a day, the KC-10 extender, stratospheric balloons, 37,000 per day. Oh, it's just crazy. None of these, Wikipedia doesn't know what TG is. The Gathering, Travian Games, Top Gear. In a weight, it's a weight. Yeah, it's a weight well, measurement. Throbbing thro Gristle. An English music and visual arts group formed in 1976. Awesome. Are you done? Yeah, it goes on. This goes on for a long time. So I'm going to put a link to the show notes because it's interesting to see these professionalist papers uh, written about this stuff. Stop the spraying. Not going to happen. Well, I saw an article today about just contrails, not never mind about the chemical trails, but contrails how they're affecting the weather and they're not taking that into account. Really? So that or the G or the real weather modifications going on is not being taken into account. I thought the contrast like keeps it colder. Reflecting the sun oh, warmed up after nine eleven. So maybe it's really like if, if we didn't have all the contrails and the fake oh, clouds out there, it'd be a fucking cooker. Oh boy. It'd be warm. Yeah. It'd be trouble. Yeah. Well, before it gets too hot, you best listen to this chat. Well, before it gets too hot, the first thing you want to do is support the show to clear your conscience so you can burn alive with a clear conscience. And uh, the second thing you want to do is make sure you finish this fascinating conversation with Mr. Marshall Lefferts. I'm going to do a little before bio Before it gets on, too hot. I'm going to do a little bio on Marshall because hopefully Darren will edit out the, no. uh, the intro that we did because I messed up his bio, so I feel bad about that. So I'm just going to read his professional highlights here. Besides practicing Aikido and writing the book that he just released called Cosmometry, which is um, it's been long in the making, I'm sure, and it's a fantastic book. Can't wait to get it for the studio here. He's also an associate producer of Thrive Film and Website, uh, president and board of directors of the Residence Project Foundation, co-creator and faculty of the Residence Academy, co-founder of Gene Keys U.S., co-founder of Superliminal Systems, co-director of the Foundation for Conscious Evolution, 
That's back in uh, 1999 to 2004. And those same years as well, he's consulting producer of Buckmin- Buckminster Fuller Institute, adjunct faculty in the Wisdom University from 2011 to 2012, and... Uh, Production director of Star Trek, AT&T Olympics, and miscellaneous CD-ROMs, and that's back in the 90s. So, fantastic, uh, fantastic guy. Bucky. Bucky Minster Fuller. All right, guys, enjoy the chat. Marshall Lefferts. We're super excited tonight to have Marshall Lefferts with us. He's a board member of the Resonance Science Foundation, as well as co-designer, writer, and producer of the Resonance Academy, and which launched in 2014. And he's uh, adjunct. He serves as adjunct faculty there as well. And he's an associate producer from the documentary film Thrive, which you all know about. And I've had the pleasure to be reading his book, Cosmometry, Exploring the Holofractal Nature of the Cosmos, and it's a unified model of cosmic geometry, physics, music, and consciousness. It's pretty mind-blowing, very deep, and can't wait to talk to him about it. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Marshall. Thanks, guys. I'm really happy to be here with you tonight, and I'm looking forward to a good, stimulating conversation together. Oh, yeah. Is that an arc crystal on your neck, I see? Yeah, that's an arc crystal. That's right. You know, this yeah. is the fourth art crystal I've seen up close in the, uh, kidding, in, the last, in the last month. Yeah, yeah I've never in seen an art crystal month. in my life, and in the last month, I've seen four. Oh, cool! Nice. Yeah. Well, you know that comes out, pops out, and uh, this is designed by Nassim Haramein to the crystal is molecularly grown in laboratory to be in the same geometric symmetry as the underlying field of space. And so it's tapping into that coherent field and making a coherent field around us and structures the water in our body and does amazing stuff. Uh, yeah. Do you have to be yeah. ready for it to wear it? Yeah, we're all ready. <laughs> Are you? We're ready. Are we? Okay. <laughs> is there a way to, uh, is there any way to, uh, I don't know what the word is, not cheat or what, is there any way to, cause I think those things are kind of hard to come by. Right. And, and, and expensive. Is there, is there any there, sort of way to do it? DIY, DIY it? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know the particulars, but I think they might have a way to like pay it over in some installments. It's 1200 bucks, you know, it comes with the, with the pendant. And yeah. everything. Oh, that's yeah. not bad. 1200 bucks. I heard yeah, 12 grand. Well, 
Oh, you thought you were thinking I thought it was 12 grand. I was like, Jesus, I'll narrow it. <laughs> you know, we could probably work a couple of crystals into the budget next year. Oh, I mean, it should help the show, right? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's very good. They've done some testing on it recently where they actually found that it's emitting photons on the vertices of the soul. Wow. It's actually putting out photons. So that was a major breakthrough in their, uh, their analysis of what's happening with it. Yeah, that's amazing. So, I mean, this this book is really deep. Um, like I was mentioning before we started recording, there, I'm, I mean, I absolutely love it because it's it's kind of got uh, a bit of the all, the stuff that we talk about on the show. Like we've talked about Nassim's work before um, mm-hmm. quite a bit, and we've um, we've talked about sacred geometry quite a bit, and music and music healing. And your book is is kind of incorporating all this stuff together in a unified theory. So. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there's so so many places we could go with this because I'm interested in it all, especially the the secret. Well, you've geometry been, you've been the, listening the to the book by selecting it in segments on your phone and playing <laughs> it back and having your phone read it to you, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, right? That's right. So that sounds oh, like a whole, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, I, yeah. I suppose if it's between that or reading it on the screen, I mean, it's like six of one and half a dozen of another. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was it was beneficial. Anyways. It's a big book. I think I would rather listen to. Well, I mean, I, but I want to get it. Like it's. I mean, that was just for before the show because it wasn't. We didn't have a lot of notice before you come came on, and you you made you know you you told us uh, read a couple chapters, take a yeah. overview, read chapter eight, read this and that. So I focused on those and then went into some of the sacred ge- geometry part. But I think we yeah. should stop start with uh, just cosmometry, like defining that. You know, and then we can yeah. go. And I got a bunch of questions, and we can go into it from there. Is yeah, that because sure. of stuff your mom did? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we should. Like, maybe I should learn how to pronounce it first, because I got yeah, to. <laughs> as far as I know, um, yeah, the cosmic mom for sure. Uh, it's actually a word. I thought I made it up like about ten years ago. No. <laughs> I was like thinking about sacred geometry, but I think you know, I, I my my kind of tradition in this field began in the late seventies. Um, and I came upon the work of Buckminster Fuller Yeah, and Bucky was a very pragmatic, you know, geometer and researcher and scientist and inventor and designer. Um, so I was really kind of seated there before I learned about sacred geometry. And then I had some, my own kind of inner vision experiences and, um, and other kinds of experiences where I was getting a sense of the fundamental patterns and energy dynamics that were happening out there in the cosmos and here on the planet. And, um, but at a certain point, especially after I met in the sim, which is around 20 years ago now, um, and understanding the scientific aspect of all this, I just had a feeling like, well, scientists aren't going to call what they do sacred geometry. It's just right. not going to happen. <laughs> you know? So there has to be some other word. And I was thinking, well, ge- geometry is about Earth geo. And so it's cosmic geometry. And then I thought, well, cos- cosmometry. And I thought, well, that's kind of funny sounding, you know, with mom in the middle of it. <laughs> you know. And uh, so I did a web search on it. It's like 2005 or something. And... Uh, um, and out of like thousands of entries, which were all the dictionary definitions and just, just weird gibberish pages with words on it. Uh, there were two that were cited in scientific papers 
and six that came from Syrian masters, channeled writings from masters from the Syrian star system. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's quite interesting. <laughs> and, you know, when I looked into that, they were saying, you know, cosmometry is one of the most important things for humanity to come to understand. I was like, whoa, okay. Um, so anyway, I, I, I looked into it further and, and in fact, it's, it's a word that's been in the language for like 300 years or so, but it's never been put in use really in a popular way. And so I just felt it was the appropriate term for this larger kind of field of study that includes Buckminster Fuller's work and David Bohm's insights and the sim and uh, Foster, who I work with my own and many, many other people. And the spiritual and the spiritual masters too. I mean, it really connects with that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, so the, the traditional definition is the art of measuring the world or universe. Uh, yeah, that's cool. It's simple, but it doesn't really say that much. <laughs> and so I, I define it as the, the study of the fundamental patterns, structures, um, processes, systems, and principles that underlie the manifest universe that we can we, we, we we're discerning them and there's a lot of people have been doing this for centuries really but we're increasingly understanding it especially you know through the physics unified physics now um but as you know as the geometry and the physics and music as one unified system so for me cosmometry is the word i like to name this field so that it can be you know more readily embraced in the academic and the scientific world uh, so nice. that's what it means to me. <clears throat> and then, so how would this, just summarizing the, the book, and how would this differ from our mainstream paradigm? I mean, I know there isn't a unified field paradigm necessarily, but... Yeah, not in mainstream. Yeah. There's been numerous <laughs> attempts at that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it differs, well, from the mainstream scientific perspective, um, or from the scientific perspective, it's, it's really solidly based on the Sim Harmain's unified physics model. Because yeah. um, when I met, well, I said, as I, as I mentioned, I, you know, 40 years ago, I came upon Buckminster Fuller's work and I studied his synergetics, which is his, what he called nature's coordinate system. It's his analysis of the geometry of the cosmos. And amazing, deep, deep, hard to read, hard to understand. I think I understand maybe 5% of it. <laughs> Um, yet the core essence of it is, is really simple and profound. And when I first saw the sim, uh, present, he was basing his physics on that core essence, the vector equilibrium, as it's called. And it's really the geometry of the zero point field. Um, and, and he was also basing it on the, the fundamental flow process dynamic called the torus, which is occurring everywhere throughout the cosmos. And you can see it in the weather patterns on Earth and the, the solar um, dynamics and galactic dynamics. And Isn't it in oranges and stuff too? Is what? Is like the shape of oranges are because of that same sort Absolutely. of... Yeah, yeah. Oranges, apples, trees, plants, even us, we are toroidal. You know, we've got a hole going in and a hole going out. That makes us a Taurus. <laughs> you know? And... Uh, so when I saw the sim present, I was like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't understand physics very well. Like the, the mainstream physics has just been so abstract for me. Uh, my mind doesn't grasp it very well. But the sims was like so clear and, and it aligned so clearly with those two fundamental models. I said, I, I think this guy's right. So I 
you know, got involved and have been involved with the Resonance Science Foundation for 15 years now and um, supporting what I can to help him advance what he's doing. And um, his latest work, you know, in the past few years, the papers he and Amira Val Baker and William Brown and the rest of the research team are now putting out are solving the major problems in physics because it's based on a model that includes the the fact that space is not empty space is actually full and there's a there's a quantized granular as it calls it you know pixelated field at the tiniest scale the Planck scale and when you take that as the the foundation of all the dynamics in the universe and apply it to what is a proton what is an atom and the electrons what are what are the masses at all scales in the universe they're just nailing the the values of deriving all these things mass and gravity and light and everything they're nailing it precisely using this holographic mass solution as he calls it and um so it's fundamentally different uh from that theoretical standpoint and that's the theoretical model that i use in cosmometry to tie together with the the synergetics geometry and then the music because they're actually all the same system fundamentally so it, it it's really different in those ways but the same in the real kind of classical sense because it's it's still t- it's talking about the same dynamics that are referred to in, in physics but they don't understand and they don't know the source of things like gravity and mass because or dark matter or dark matter as well i mean is that just dark matter and dark energy yeah and the sims model answers all those questions and does so with incredible accuracy yeah and when the scene gets those shapes out of the the plank scale okay, like how does he actually how do you how do you see those those uh those shapes uh the, what is it what does he call it again the tetrahedra tetrahedron no tetrahoidal <laughs> yeah it's it's uh so i think you're referring to the 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 kind of the very foundational geometry yeah 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 uh at the Planck scale is is um based on what bucky fuller called the vector equilibrium and uh it's the geometry where where all of the edges the vectors on the outside and all the ones going to the center point are of equal length okay it's the only geometry that's like that and that's why bucky fuller named it the vector equilibrium right um, and it's the, it's the balanced state of the explosive radiant force and the gravitational constraining force. And when they're in pure, perfect balance, they zero out, and therefore it's the geometry of the zero-point field. Ah, okay. And then when, you, when you extend that out in all directions, it creates this tetrahedral, it's actually tetrahedral and octahedral uh, geometry that is in perfect equilibrium balance. And, um, and the sim actually in his 64 tetrahedron model, you guys are probably familiar with yeah. he, It's basically like take that basic geometry and polarize it, uh, which I won't try to describe because it's, it's hard to just put words to some things that are better, better visually <laughs> explained. But, uh, but when you polarize it and you get to 64 tetrahedron matrix, that's like the first fractal instance of mass because the, the pure field without the polarization is the zero point field. There's, it's when there's nothing, there's no size and rotation or any fluctuating dynamics that create the universe. And that's a tetra, tetrahedral matrix. 
So that'd be like putting 64 of your art crystals together. Yeah, exactly. And that, and they do that. They actually, because they're all magnetically, the edges of the crystal, that's like, this is held in here magnetically. Yeah. And so you could take 64 of them and you make, you make groups of eight and then you take those eight eights and you put them together. And now they have a little cage that they can hold them all together. Uh, in uh, so that they don't all fall apart. We, we were actually in Egypt uh, a couple of years ago. I don't, don't know if you guys know about the delegate gathering we did in Egypt two years ago. Yep. We've heard a little, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was incredible. We had uh, time in the three pyramids, all three pyramids, uh, an overnight full moon um, access just for our group of 170, 180 people. And we had the 64 tetrahedron crystals art crystals but we didn't have a cage to hold them together and so in between going to different pyramids it all fall apart and we'd have to go in and assemble them like in the king's chamber and it, it was really awesome I and mean, it was such a great ritual but yeah it's exactly right and you know it's 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 mirroring the fundamental geometry of space it's symmetrically symmetrically um coordinated with that geometry and that field is what everything's coming out of and so when we have something at our scale here, our fractal scale, <clears throat> like this crystal, it, like I said, it creates a coherent relationship with the field and it allows for the information flow to be coherent. Therefore, our bio biology can be more coherent. And you do feel it. And the answer to your question, no, you don't have to be ready. <laughs> you can wear one at any time and you'll feel good. <laughs> well, we have a little thing on the, we have our tetrahedron on the table. It's a ceramic one. Tell which one. I see lots of things there. Oh, it's just out of view. That's yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Good. That's a start. But that was very uh, <clears throat> that was very good the way you explained that. It, it actually started to come together a little bit for me. Sometimes it's hard to uh, <clears throat> comprehend that how they like how they measured that. Like one of the questions in here was the you know to explain the vector equilibrium. I didn't realize that was the actual way they measured that <clears throat> that Planck scale. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, on the Planck, the Planck field is <clears throat> where you can imagine the, it's an electromagnetic, just like light, you know, it's the same thing as light, but it's a frequency that's very high, a wavelength, very, very tiny. And uh, therefore it's high energy. And you can imagine that's when the electromagnetic fluctuations that create our universe um, come into this high tension state of equilibrium. And when they do, they hit the zero point state and it becomes a superfluid superconductor. So even though it's high tension, it wants to go back there. It's mm -hmm. also completely malleable. At the same time. Wow. And that's what he's showing as like protons are spinning that same Planck little particles spinning together. It creates a proton at spinning at nearly the speed of light. And then the electron cloud is the same field spinning and gravitation is the same field spinning around planets all of it is made of that one field and his mathematics is just accurately showing that to be so and then the way music fits in it i mean because we were talking about we were talking about this uh the other day with some gut with some friends and how light light at, at a certain frequency becomes sound or sound at a cer certain frequency yeah. becomes light. So that's how, is that how all that's connected then depending on whatever frequency Absolutely. it is? So. Perfectly said. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's only one kind of, there's only one frequency spectrum across whether it's light or sound, you know, it's all 
Now, the thing about light and sound, you know, light is electromagnetism and sound is pressure. And so if you imagine that you have this universal field of light, of electromagnetism, uh, way beyond our visible light spectrum, um, and then you have within that field these compression dynamics, we hear it as sound, but we are actually made of that. All of the form, all the physical compressed matter of electromagnetic substance is actually the same as sound. Um, and so that's why I say it's the acoustic aspect of the universe. And that's why music is integral to this whole model. And, and, and there are other reasons I can touch into yeah, as well, but yeah. harmonically, from the harmonic perspective, that's why it's actually, you know, completely oriented because the frequencies of light and sound are all interacting in those ways. So that vector equilibrium can be a fractal too. Do you have, do you find different things at different fractals of that? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh there's a, a chapter in my book where I, I highlight, um, there's one that is, uh, the electron spin in, in graphene, which is a hexagonal honeycomb pattern, and it just perfectly matches that uh, vector equilibrium or isotropic vector field, the, the greater field, which is hexagonal. Um, and then, uh, then there's the snowflake, which is modeling that same hexagonal geometry. And then it goes all the way up to superclusters of galaxies. <laughs> Which there's uh, some researchers from Italy that that were uh, curious to see if there was a pattern to the clustering of galaxies, superclusters. I mean, these are clusters of clusters, these massive scale, and they found that it is in this fractal octahedral geometry, very precisely organized, uh, which they don't have a model for. They call it the egg carton universe, but it's exactly the geometry of the zero point field, exactly. <laughs> And so it is fractal. You're absolutely right. It's uh, it, that basically that geometry is present at all scales because it's the zero point geometry. And so it's the reference for all the other frequency fluctuations. And so it's, it's a, it's at every scale. I was just looking up that video of uh, the Venus and the earth, the dance they do over every eight years. Uh, if you yeah. drew a live tuning, cause I thought for some reason, I thought that ended up being a hexagonal too, but it doesn't. That's pentagonal. <laughs> that's yes, right like that the is, thing on saturn that's a pentagon that's too yeah is it exactly. hexagonal or pentagonal? <laughs> it's hexagonal the one on saturn is hexagonal um which is quite remarkable when you think that's a fluid dynamic atmosphere and here's this geometry sitting at the top very clearly defined you know, what the heck causes that? I think uh, it's sound of some sort because it's like that when you put sound waves through sand and there's a chapter in his book on that too. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I haven't, I haven't looked yeah. at that. I, I don't look That's at the books. The problem, I'm the straight know, guy. Yeah, no, it's uh, you're absolutely right. And, and um, uh, John Stuart Reed, who's a cymatics researcher, he put out a really good um, proposal hypothesis of exactly that, that there's, there are, there's because in order to have a cymatic pattern, you need to have a boundary where the sound is reflecting off of and coming back in through the medium of water or sand or anything like that, um, a defined area. And so he says there is a there is a circular boundary, um, oh. like a promenade of of I've forgotten if it was like ice cliffs or something like that. And then the convection 
um, coming from the inner atmosphere up and through is creating pressure waves that are then bouncing off each other through this circular container, creating this cymatic pattern. And man, that makes total sense to me. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I wonder, uh, I wonder how, I wonder if that, if, if, if that's happening on, on earth on some level as well. I mean, you, you wouldn't be able to see it. I guess it could be harder to see because it would be in the magnetic field maybe or something, right? Does it, do you notice anything in relation with the magnetic well, field or the atmosphere? I was going to say the atmosphere. Maybe that's a container too. Yeah, and, and it is. And, and um, I would say the, you know, the, the, the real obvious symmetries that you see in cymatics which can be threefold or fourfold or fivefold, sixfold, seven, eight, you know, in even higher numbers of these geometries. Um, again, if you think about the, uh, the manifestation of form in the universe and right here on the earth as a result of pressure compression, which is the acoustic aspect of what we're talking about here, um, then and then you look at things like crystals and flowers and plants, you see these clear symmetries in certain ones of them. Um, and so what's the reason for that? You know, why did a flower just make a beautiful, perfect triangulated petal thing or five of them, you know, or in perfect symmetry? Well, I think it's because the same dynamics are actually at play. Now, basically, we're seeing cymatics in a 3D form coming manifest. Oh, the yeah, universe, yeah. You know, and, and the, the boundaries are defined in, in other ways than a physical container, but they're there nonetheless. Right. Ooh, that's, that's interesting. That's way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah, that's very That's kind of like um, looking at... I've always looked at 33 differently since I started considering it as more of a numerical representation of sacred geometry. So it's like if you had to write out the math behind Yeah, because it's like, it seems as, you know, um, I think it was when we were talking to Scott Onstott, but we were talking about how this 33 comes up everywhere. And it's like, it's in stuff that can't just can't be related because of conspiracy or anything like that. It like transcends human intervention, like 33 vertebrae and, and all this stuff. And, and then it's like, and you see all these patterning in the universe, all this sacred geometry that's, that's repeating itself and fractal. And it's like, well, then, you know, what's the numer what's the math behind that? If you had to turn that all into code, what would all the numbers be? And he's like, that 33 is one of those base numbers. It's one of the base yeah. units of the sacred, say of the sacred geometry of the universe. Right. Or right. at least that's how I took it. <laughs> I could yeah, be way no, off. I'm not I, quoting him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, for me, it, you know, the, the kind of deeper layer of why this is so, is because the energy dynamics of the cosmos are quantized as they discovered, which, you know, Max Planck was the one who actually came up with that idea. And then there's the Planck constant, which defines the energy value of each of the frequency little packets. It's called the quantum of action. And that, you know, that kicked off the quantum evolution and understanding the quantum nature. But the point is, is that the, all the frequency dynamics of all scales are quantized. And so when, when you have a quantized system at all scales, then you get these ratio relationships 
like 33. That's one over the ratio of relationships, three elevens, you could call it, or, you know, the different ways that this quantized system harmonically organizes itself. That's why you get the, the Fibonacci sequence and those numbers, and you get the octave ratios in music and all the harmonic ratios in music, because all these quantized whole number actions in the universe are literally informing are you know who we are what we experience and they overlap yeah, like if i exactly. let you all the music stuff can overlap with the other stuff and it's just insane exactly yeah there's actually I mean, only one thing going on in the universe <laughs> it, it so it's got to be a simulation then right? <laughs> i knew that was coming up i was waiting i was hoping we'd wait wait a little bit longer before darren asks the simulation question 27 minutes <laughs> yeah no it's an interesting question for sure and I don't know. Always comes to my mind is well, which is the simulation? The one you know we call the simulation that we simulate the yeah. universe. Yeah. But is the universe a simulation of something else yeah. or from some other place? How deep? Maybe it, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's the imagination of ourselves. The simulations we have are the way they are is because we're modeling it off of the universe. You know, the same fundamental attributes are there. So it's more like we're we're yeah we're simulating the the greater reality at a much more accrued level actually um you know the resolution of what's happening in the universe is way beyond our technology so far yeah 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 because when i was reading through your book and i saw the double phi ratio everywhere and the sacred geometry and the platonic solids and how everything fits together it made, of course it made me think of darren's little simulation well, <coughs> idea what's here your, that, what's your kind of like when you when you have this idea about it being a simulation, what does that mean to you? Like when you see all these patterns, does it mean you think that means that there's a there's some other? Uh, it's like a scaffolding. Yeah, it's like you. It's like all that patterning is humans getting smart enough to the point that we can start to see the scaffolding of our own reality or the code and maybe or? in the or the code behind it in a lot of ways. So to me, that yeah. just in, instantly. Well, it's what I go two ways with that simulation. Or intelligent design and mm -hmm. i tend to go simulation because i mean or maybe not i mean there's probably a third outlet there but it seems to be the further i i go down either of those rabbit holes those are the two places i seem to keep ending up is it's it's either like mm -hmm. it's built on it's we can see this scaffolding and this patterning because it's some sort of a, a hard drive or it's because it's it's that's how it's made and it's just easier to make it like that because i can just take this and copy it over there and i don't know or we're just the imagination <laughs> of ourselves yeah. and i mean by by definition simulation is intelligent design so son of a bitch this uh, there is a third way of looking at it which is what actually um the sims theory is saying um he has a great paper called the unified space memory network from cosmogenesis to consciousness and it's describing the information aspect of the energy matter information relationship that i talk about in the book um and you know how from the Planck scale it's like the Planck scale is the the foundational ground state and it's the, like a hard drive you know captures and stores information in little bits in, in a magnetic drive and that's happening at the Planck scale. So the, the information is actually present throughout the entire universe. And then 
it comes up from the Planck scale into the atomic and into the biological and into the planetary and into the solar and then galactic and then throughout. So it's one continuum of this exchange of information. And it's got a constant feedback loop. He calls it feedback feed forward because it's feeding back from the our experience that like we're having right now, feeding back into the field, which then feeds it forward to take that information of this now moment and then say, okay, that's where everything's at and here's where it's going. So here you go. Here's where it's going. You know, so it feeds it forward. And there's this feedback loop process. And when you include that in the model, then you get the kinds of things you're talking about, which sound like intelligent design, for example, you know, that's a name that's been, you know, controversially applied to the idea or simulation, which is another way of looking at it. But in this model, it's a actually just an intrinsic process. As you could say, there is intelligence and, and actually it, it, it is suggesting that there's what we call consciousness throughout the entire structure intelligence, awareness, reflexivity, these attributes of what we define as consciousness are actually happening at all scales with this feedback loop process. And so it's another way from a physics perspective of answering the same question. Well, yeah, that's interesting. That's, it reminded me of the Taurus again, like on a, it is. Just on, it is a, on a micro scale maybe, or, a, or it's just moving it's happening so fast that that's our, our reality. Like our time is, I don't yeah, know. I can't the, get too the, deep into that. The Taurus, <laughs> is a, the Taurus is the, is the dynamic that is fractally embedded yeah, across right. all those. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and so it's passing information through this fractally embedded toroidal field and the, the being a, a hologram being holographic, the, the information of the entire universe is present in every point that's how we have access to it through whatever they would say the Akashic exactly. records or whatever. So it's, it, as it comes back out into that field, because it's fractal, we can access whatever we want. Really. It exactly. Explains remote viewing, yeah. telepathy, you know, all the clairvoyance and clairaudience, all these things that are like, how do you explain that in a physics model? Yeah. This explains it. There's actually a very practical model to explain how everything is universally entangled right. all the time. And when you include that in the model, it starts to make more sense. Exactly. You know, yeah. Things that were like mystical, spiritual can be brought in and it, start, it really starts to unify the spiritual and the scientific as one continuum. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is a great, I mean, that whole chapter in your book on that is really interesting. We can get into a little bit later. So does that mean that everything has some level of consciousness or that human consciousness is affecting everything? Both. Well, it's, it's kind of a both and. I mean, of course, human consciousness is affecting everything because the whole thing is unified. Now, the effect we're having is a little more localized than that. <laughs> you know, we, we have so much, uh, let's say, power or amplitude of our field of consciousness within the universal field. We're not the biggest show in the universe though <laughs> you know Maybe so, we are. <laughs> yeah but the thing is is that we are entangled and affecting the whole thing it is true because that's the nature of the whole thing um and so that part is true and 
yeah, the, the idea that there's consciousness throughout the whole of it is what the model is suggesting. Now, not necessarily human experience of consciousness. That's just one relative framework or point of reference. Um, so you have to kind of let go of that being the model and just think about the attributes of consciousness being present throughout. And that's actually being more and more discovered to be true. Mm -hmm. So this, does this reconcile the difference between the quantum physics? You know how the science scientific realm seems to be broken down into like, you know, this is the hard table. Like this is hard. There's the hard science of the physical model. Always hit the table. And then, and then uh, the quantum thing, which they can't seem to reconcile. So does this, does this do that in a way? Just yeah. make it makes it one theory instead of this, this, uh, you know, as it something, does. something changes the physical properties as it gets bigger kind of problem. Yeah, it's a great question, and it's absolutely right. That's why we call it unified physics. Um, <coughs> unified and, field theory, is that right? Yeah, it's unified field theory. So is there a unified field? That's always been the question since, you know, Einstein and the others back then were trying to find that. But then, like you're saying, there's the, the, the quantum dynamics and then the, the relative, relativistic yeah. cosmological large scale. And they were so different, like gravity and the strong force, they're, you know, so vastly different in their strength. How could they be the same field? And the unified physics model reconciles that in a, in a very simple, elegant, um, and easy to understand way that is mathematically dead on accurate. Like the Sims holographic mass solution for the proton shows that the so-called strong force that keeps protons together, and they call it the strong force because they didn't know what the heck it was. <laughs> uh, it's stronger than the weak force. Yeah, stronger than the weak force, which they don't know what that was either. <laughs> and, uh, and so he shows that it's the dynamics of the spin of this Planck field at near the speed of light with a singularity at the center, what we call black hole, but a singularity, the zero point at the center, um, creating a mass and a dilation of the mass because of the spin. And he calculates that and he gets pretty much accurately the, the strong force and the fall off of the strong force, like to such a high degree that it really appears to be the right model. And that's the same model that then defines gravity as well. And so therefore it unifies, it's actually just quantum gravity. It's the same field doing the same effect, but at a different strength. That's how he. That's how he said that the the weight of a proton is the same as the or the mass of a proton is the same as the mass of a universe because it's yeah the holographic yeah, mass inside yeah, of a yeah. proton when you calculate the energy density yeah converted to a mass value is equal to all the protons outside of it that define the relative mass right. of the universe yeah it's really quite profound and yeah. it makes sense when you think about well there's an equilibrium between inside and outside there's a balance. Is there one of those things at the middle of the earth? Yeah, there is. Is it causing the earth to expand? Because that is not yeah, creating well, mass? It's creating yeah. matter? He's saying, he's saying that um, there is matter creation happening from this, you know, what are called black holes or whatever you want, singularities. At the center of the earth. At the center of every body in the universe. And How does the know, sun affect that? Well, is the sun, the sun is like, because when we talk to Neil Adams about how the Earth is growing, 
hair production. All plants. All, plants. all planets yeah, are growing. Everything's growing. The earth yeah. is growing because of the same sort of thing you just showed me with your hands was causing pear production to happen at the center of the planet. And that's why the ocean shells are some of the newest material we can find on earth. The, uh, the like rifts, the trans oceanic rifts are some of the newest material as opposed to the oldest. And, uh, he thinks it happens in spurts because of something to do with the sun. But I remember that specifically that little motion with the hands. And that just made me think of Neil Adams. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, well, if you think of the the sun as the same, it's all the same field. This is where you got to just kind of think about there's only one thing going on, right? So they have this this field that is coming into coherent states of form at different scales. And the sun is a very dynamic, energetic, radiant version of that. And the earth is inside of that field and all the other planets are getting influenced by this this powerful energy source that is itself fluctuating and then impacts the Earth's magnetic field and the plasma and everything that comes into poles. And it's, it's going to be affecting it all the way through, not just on the surface, but because it's made of the same medium. You know, the, the atomic structures are all made of this same Planck field all the way through, then these dynamics will be able to go penetrate all the way through into the center and resonate and, and, you know, go into resonance or out of resonance and create these kinds of fluctuations. Um, And be kind of a, you could maybe think of it as kind of like a pump where it's sort of pumping the energies. And that could be what's causing this kind of a manifestation from the center of the earth. I don't know. I'm making that stuff up right now because I don't really know about that particular geological stuff. But <laughs> it, from a kind of a model standpoint, it, it does make some sense. I like it. Yeah, I mean, you showed some pictures of the moons, like some of the moons of Jupiter were really, I think there's a couple of really good examples where if you shrink the moon down, it, it all those uh, crevices and big gullies just it fits into a nice like... Nice little ball. It almost looks like it's, it's been splitting, right splitting up. apart yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those those lines of division yeah. uh, continents on the Earth, when you shrink it all back down and it just fits together perfectly. Yeah. Like, well, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> it's happening. Things are growing. That's why the dinosaurs could be here before. Because there's less gravity. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I remember. Right. That's right. I, I hate that it. motherfucker. That was a cool, a cool concept, and it totally made sense. Like, yeah, Less I think gravity that's uh, Great American number one sixty four. If anyone wants to go back and look into that, Neil Adams. It might not be one sixty four. It might be one sixty. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. So, so that means that gravity and entanglement are the. Or the the two forces that are, don't seem to be affected by the speed of light, well, and consciousness. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the the relationship between the the electromagnetic activity, which we is light, and so we have the speed of light, and the uh, and then the underlying nature of the unified field which is actually in a stillness, like what we experience in space and time is just a relative experience of an underlying state that is in equilibrium and coherence. And when, when 
that state is tapped into, the ideas of time and space are no longer relevant. Those are relative to the experience. And so there's an instantaneity, instantaneity, <laughs> instantaneous effect um, when those dynamics cross that zero point field. And so, again, there needs to be a model to explain how could, be, how could there be this entanglement that, that radically transcends the speed of light when supposedly that couldn't happen in the universe. Um, and so it, there's that, there's that underlying state that is entangled at all times. Well, yeah, because especially if you think about at the big bay, if, because if you, so I don't know, do you guys, does unified field theory, does that fit in with, uh, there's there a big bang in that? Well, because if you play that back to the big bang, then our, all particles are entangled. Exactly. Exactly right. And that's beautifully said. And, you know, so the, what is the big bang is, is the question in that you know, statement. The outcome of that is exactly a, a unified, entirely and always entangled system. And, um, you know, the Sims proposal of what a big bang is, is that you have, we were talking about the proton mass being a, equivalent in the holographic mass inside of every proton to the universal mass of all the protons externally, the relative mass, uh, 10 to the 55 grams per cubic centimeter inside and 10 to the 55 outside. And so then you have this universe in equilibrium. So the protons are held in the size that they are with this intense amount of energy density inside of them. Now imagine if one of those protons just happens to pop out of that universe. And now it's no longer being held by all that pressure of all the other protons. All of a sudden it's just going to go poof like that and want to expand and release all that energy. And that's a new and universe. That, and that's a new universe coming into <coughs> you know, It's like basically like a, a contained bubble that is going poof. And that's probably happening like a billion times a second. It could well be. <laughs> Could well be. So does that play into that or fit into that that theory, the multi-universe theory, that every decision, every every sort of thought, every action is a new reality kind of I like the multi is that the multi-universe theory kind of thing? I don't know. That's just crazy talk. <laughs> You're just creating big bang big bangs out of protons, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean what's probably happening is the protons that can't leave or that are getting sucked into the black holes or the singularities are popping off. Yeah, it could be. That's what's happening. And there's a containment that keeps it from happening too rapidly, but it could be happening all the time. And we maybe that's we the can't look out there yet. Or maybe that's the stuff that's ending up at the center of the earth. Circling back around and, like an ocean current sort of thing, like a giant galactic ocean current. Yeah, and if you think of the, the, the matter, which are the protons, the atoms that are formed from those dynamics as coming from this Planck field, then uh, it's possible these are dynamics of spin that are kind of spinning up and flying off from, you know, these, these black holes are spinning at the speed of light they have a lot of shearing of the field and they could spin off these little <clears throat> particles, so-called particles. 
And that's one way we can imagine the creation of matter, as we call it. The idea of the proton is intriguing to me because, I don't know, I, I just, the idea of the proton having everything you need in there to start a new universe is interesting because it seems to me like the further we go, go grow technologically, the more we find out we can, like they just cured cancer with some sort of light emitting thing in mexico right so i mean i don't know i think at some point it's all going to be different sort of light sequences that you can do you know you can almost rewrite the dna of the body with light no i think sounds or light specifically yeah i I think sound is like a a rock is a hammer compared to where we're going to be with light in like a couple of hundred years if we don't blow ourselves up yeah yeah and it's actually not even a couple hundred years these things are actually here now um there are like you just mentioned one that can cure cancer. Um, and it is actually both light and sound. And it depends on kind of what level of the medium of biology or physical form that we want to affect. You know, light is finer and it doesn't penetrate into the body as much, whereas sound will penetrate and go all the way through the body. And so there are some technologies, um, that can use laser light to then stimulate a, an acoustical impulse into the body and basically convert the light frequency into an acoustical impulse that transmits much more deeply into the body to create these kinds of resonance frequency shifts in the biology. And once you restore resonance and wholeness to an organ or oh, yeah. you know, uh, the cellular tissues or whatever, then these imbalances we call cancers or other diseases. They, they don't last in a resonant, coherent environment. So, and it's not a couple hundred years away. These things are already, they, they've been actually existed for quite a while. I think <laughs> you probably know that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the fact is, is that they're, they're getting more refined and more effective and more accessible. Um, and for, for example, there's uh, some some uh, people I know who have a company called Sonify, which um, can take a 30 second recording of your voice and analyze the frequencies that are in your voice. And through that, analyze your entire body system, not only just the state and health of organs and tissues, but things like minerals and vitamins imbalances or deficiencies or excesses or whatever inflammation. Uh, And then ultimately treat that through the frequencies that are either needed or need to to cancel out those inflammations, but literally, you know, through your phone. And it's, I I anticipate, I know the timeframe that's going to come out, but they're going to have an app and um, you would be able to do that diagnostic just right on your own phone with your voice for 30 seconds. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, the the vibration, the sound vibrations of all those systems in your body are actually contained in your voice coming through the vagus nerve and out and through your voice. So it's all there. Jeez. eh? And you know, on the tail end of that, you could, you can start to see where, because that's where like, you know, that's, that's free energy. That's replicating stuff. That's where you get to go to your thing and say, give me a, a, fully cooked Thanksgiving turkey. And it's like, boom, here you go. Because all it needs to use is some fucking protons or far, sorry, photons. Exactly. Protons? Photons. Protons and photons. Both, yeah. Throw a little both in there. Boom. 
Because it's actually because that's all, a whole universe. That's everything you could ever need in that because one. It's all a hologram, and the hologram is information in an interference pattern coming into the create form. Man, Star Trek was so ahead of its time. Sometimes it's fucking insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's almost like Gene Roddenberry knew some shit. He did. He got the cosmic download. Isn't the scene working on some? Uh, well, yeah. Gene Gene was hanging out with some spiritualists back then, doing some doing some channeling and stuff. So, was he? Yeah, really interesting. Is this where we're heading now into channeling? Well, we can't. Jeez, we, it's 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 uh, it's ripe for channeling for sure. But what what about uh, Nassim? Well, that because that'd be a Kashuk record, right? Well, yeah, yeah, maybe, or or entities or whatever. I mean, who knows, right? If it's coming from the the Akashic record or from another, it's coming from the photon, whatever, right? It's coming through that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, but what about the before we leave the free energy topic? Like the, I've I heard mm-hmm. Nassim talk a few years ago about uh, you know he's working on that. Like what you're so good at explaining all this in a visual way that's that's understandable. Can you describe how they're trying to extract energy from the zero point then? Yeah, or, or, I, I, or how that would work? Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, Nassim has has a, a patent for a device that the, the simple name is just called the resonator or the ha- harmonic flux resonator, uh, which you can read about on the resonantscience.org website um, somewhere in there. And so, so if you imagine that there's this plonk field that we're all in all the time, and it's, it's a fundamental coherent field that is vibrating at a, a a scale that's so far, even 20 orders of magnitude smaller than a proton, you know, and just, just extremely beyond imagining how small that's what everything, all the fluctuations of light and sound and form are in and made of that field. And, you know, a proton, for example, um, there's no known half-life, no known decay time of a proton. The estimated decay of a proton is four times the age of the universe. <laughs> so that means that everything we're made of is actually super abundant. And so where are they getting that energy from? Well, they're spinning within that field. And that spin is creating a torsion dynamic that is accessing energy from this underlying field. So now imagine taking that up to our scale and spinning a magnetic field at speeds approaching the, the speed of light in their rotation and then at different frequencies and even different harmonic relationships kind of musical relationships wow. and doing that in a double toroidal manner that's what conceptually the sims wow. model based on and um that idea ultimately then it can start to draw energy from the field into our fractal scale it's basically <clears throat> creating a, a fractal scale version of what a proton is doing but you know bringing it up to our scale so that we can then convert that into useful energy yeah wow that's that's the concept yeah yeah (laughs) and you know these are crystals and i mean he has that resonator uh in his laboratory and the art crystals are when when each crystal is made before it gets you know, shipped out, they, they have it in the room on some shelves and, um, it's being, they, they run the resonator to create a coherent field. And the, then the 
the uh, the atomic structure in the crystals becomes resonant with that coherent field and increases the coherence of the electromagnetic activity and organization of the crystals themselves so that they're actually <clears throat> basically resonated from the resonator before they're actually put out into the world. Wow. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I need to get myself an art crystal. Yeah. So Absolutely. how does this, how does Maybe we could just get one for now and just put it in between yeah, us. Yeah, sure. We can yeah. share it. We just lean in. Yeah, and then, you know, put your water bottle on it um, for an hour or something like that and drink the water because it structures the water, makes it coherent and it makes your biology better. And, nice. Yeah. I can give it to Darren and then I'll cleanse it afterwards. The yeah. fuck? <laughs> so... <laughs> What about, uh, what about how this translates to self-awareness? Like you've got a whole chapter there on, on, uh, spiritual consciousness and the, and the human experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's the feeling body or how, how intention and attention may work. And of course, love and joy are in there too. Do you want to yeah. try and explain that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, as we were talking about earlier, you know, the, the, if you think of the entire field as a feedback loop process yeah. and going on at all scales in this fractal toroidal process from the Planck scale into the protons and into the atoms and then to the, into the, um, the, the D DNA, you know, these protein molecules, then into the cells and into the organs and then the whole organism that all is a feedback loop process at all these different scales of information flow that by the time it gets up to our level of complexity um in organization and coherence it becomes the feedback loop becomes what we call self-awareness you know it's actually a natural process in an evolving universe to, to to do that it's actually happening at all scales but the amount of information and organization and complexity is different at different scales. And so it, it, it basically is kind of empowering this feedback loop of what we experience of self-awareness. And so then when you think about consciousness as being intrinsic to the whole field, you can think about our brain and heart and central nervous system and, and solar plexus as a fractal antenna within that field, not generating consciousness, but receiving and transmitting both in this field. And, you know, there's a, there's a sense of self boundary and identity, both biologically and in this, this field around us, this biofield that we identify with, and yet we're connected into the whole of it. And so then the same dynamics that are at play in the universe of, of what we call gravity and radiation are at play because there's no difference from the physical field and the consciousness field there. It's, there's only one thing going on. Again, if you just keep saying that over and over again, <laughs> you realize that it's, it's actually one unified phenomenon that is interacting with itself. And so, you know, the ideas of an intention and attention and even love and joy, you know, Bucky Fuller would say, he always said, love is metaphysical gravity. And so he's saying that's the experience we have of what the universe does we call gravity. You know, the, the tension that connects everything together and the attractive force that brings it closer and 
And then uh, way back in, you know, my early so this, years of considering this. Sorry, that? so does that mean like the, like the metaphorically all the all the planets and suns and stars and moons of the solar system are are uniformly experiencing love all of the time from a physics perspective yeah yeah okay. yeah exactly that's what bucky was saying yeah and that we humans we call that same force dynamic love bucky was a hippie <laughs> he was <laughs> he was like one of the originals <laughs> We certainly inspired a bunch of hippies. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, the other balanced polar dynamic of that attractive gravitational is the radiational um, expansive. And so we could experience that as joy. And so that's why I say love and joy are the, the balanced, you know, polar, polar experience of these dynamics that are happening throughout the universe. Just as our intention, which is the inward tension, the gravitational tension, and then attention, which is like, you know, showing up in the universe, <laughs> attending and, and having this outward flow. See, they're all equated to the same dynamics because it's both a field of energy, matter, and information or consciousness all unified together. So, you know, it describes the same thing. <laughs> So what about putting some of that into practice? Uh, we had a guest on, he was a, an alchemist and he, so I've got questions about the platonic solids and he was using just consciousness and a dodecahedron. So he was focusing on this plant and he did it every day for, I can't remember how long, it wasn't very long. Like it was only a few weeks, I think even, and he just focused a dodecahedron on this plant and it grew out of season. Like it, it would only ever grow two times a year and he made it <clears throat> grow Mm -hmm. focusing one of the platonic solids on it so uh, you know and i've been fascinated by those those shapes for a while now and the power that they have as symbols or or just the the shape or the geometry so is yeah. there anything you know do you can we put this into practice to connect uh to manifest to um to grow to grow to use you know to to improve ourselves, anything like that, like spiritual practice using this sort of this theory. Uh, yeah, well, it, it, it helps to, to, to really take in and own that we are the same unified field and we are connected to everything else in the universe. Yeah. And at the, at the heart and center of all of it is that stillness, that singularity. And so that's why meditation is so effective because it's actually giving us the embodied experience of going into that that center point stillness where actually the ener energy potential and creative potential of the whole universe resides you know oh, that's interesting the, observ the observ observable universe is only four percent of what it takes to have the universe then you've got dark matter and dark energy which is the rest so where is that you know all coming from is this unified underlying still point state where the potential is even far greater than what's even expressed and so we can we do tap into that when we um when we meditate um another way i have uh, experienced that is um again another thing that happened to me 40 years ago right when i came upon bucky fuller's work was also studying aikido and learning about the dantian the one point in the belly 
and then the extending of key energy, which is that life force energy. And when you do that, you become massively coherent and stable and strong beyond your physical muscular uh, limits. It's just incredible. And so how is that happening? <laughs> you know, well, you're actually just getting into that center point and becoming coherent in the larger field that is filled with this energy. And you, when you, when you, uh, basically come into resonance or into geometric, uh, relationship with that, it, it gives you that energy and it's, it's profound. It's, it's so simple to do that. It, and yet it, it works incredibly well. I wonder yeah, if, I wonder if primitive man was kind of tied into that all the time. And that's why like chimps are so strong, you know, like a little chimp would just fuck you up because he's just like got this insane power. Yeah. Like, uh, it was one time because he doesn't have his, all this shit going on in his head. I was just thinking that because to, to do that, you said it was simple, but you must have to practice that attention or the intention, like to, to be in that spot, unless you're not distracted, like a, because you're a chimp and you can't be, (laughs) (laughs) you're not worried about the future. We're in our heads so much. Yeah, Yeah. Like I do this with people, um, practicing this key energy thing. And, and so, you know, have them stand there and I'll take and I'll push on their shoulder, you know, and they're like, Whoa, fall backwards. And, and then I say, okay, now take your mind and drop it down into your one point, as they call it, um, in your Dantian, focus yourself there. And then you just push on them gently, but firmly and boom, boom, they just lock right in, you know, an Aikido master, you can, five guys can't even budge him and he can be hopping up and down and he's not moving backwards. You know, it's phenomenal. And you know, so it's, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's just how we access that, that fundamental source. You know, it's, it's available to us and it is that simple, you know, when, but it's, it is the matter of shifting from the busy mind. Cause when we're up in our head, it's easy to be, fa- to be pushed over. You know, our, our attention is up here, yeah, but yeah, when our attention, yeah. and if you think of attention as tension, gravitationally cohering yourself, where are you centered? Well, if you're in your head only, it's easy to topple over. Now, the thing is, is that there's, there's that center in the belly. There's another one here. It's called the middle Gantian. And there's another one in the middle of the head, the upper Gantian. So they're all focal points of this cohering energy. And if you just put your attention there and then radiate like a star from those places, there's an illustration in that, that section of the book, Consciousness and the Human Experience, where I illustrate those three points in radiating light. It's powerful, you know, it's, and it's so simple. All you have to do is do it. <laughs> and it actually works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fantastic. It works really well. Yeah. So, Did you try it yet? No, I haven't tried. Well, I mean, I've tried similar ones. I've done Qigong and some Reiki. Like it's there's some similar stuff, but I haven't Very tried. Right, the, yeah. I haven't tried the lighting. You know, the lighting of the star from from the. It's easy. You just do it. And, That's right. <laughs> you got the book. Well, if you can't focus, it's pretty hard. I mean, you got <laughs> you do have to practice and practice and. You can't do it on the way to work. Focus. <laughs> So I do want to ask a little bit about Thrive and stuff too, but I've also right. still I've, I've also still got to kind of wet my whistle on the platonic solids. Like how does how do they fit into the to the whole thing with the and the double phi? Like I didn't realize that the 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 phi ratio is embedded in the platonic solids, right? Yeah, it's it's really remarkable when you see how 
how embedded this whole system is. Um, you know, the, the, I call them platonic forms because oh, yeah, know, Bucky, yeah, right. Fuller, yeah. Bucky Fuller said, you know, we should really, instead of calling them polygons and, and um, you know, the, these triangles and squares and all that, we should call them polyvertexia, meaning the vertices that define these forms are energy events in this tension dynamic. And so if you think of them not as solids, but as constellations of energy events, like at the molecular scale that create crystals and every, everything, all, all the form in the universe, organized in these geometries, they're actually resonating, you know, tensegrity, as Bucky would call it, tensegrity arrangements of energy. And so when you have like a tetrahedron there or the dodecahedron, or these are, these are coherent forms based upon the same, um, based upon the same energy dynamics that are at play throughout the whole universe. That's, these are the natural constellations energy wants to go into because they're balanced. They're, they're states of equilibrium. Energy always wants to go to equilibrium. And so when you have those and you use them like that, you were saying somebody's using it with a plant or the art crystal, for example, you're bringing that coherent state into this experience and this, this scale that we live on. It's like the cymatics right. or whatever. It, resonant, it resonates. What's the same idea as me, the, the cymatics or whatever? Yeah, it's really the same thing, I think. Yeah, it's so fascinating. It's resonance. So you could put your plant, so you could put your pot plant on your speaker that's playing the, Instead of shouting the cym it. cymatics yeah. music all day while you're at work, and it's just loving it. And then you come home and tell it you love it. Exactly right. And there you and, go. There are frequencies that will enhance that growth. As a matter of fact, the art crystals too. If you get an art crystal and then you, you use water that's either you know going through it or you, you take a tank of water and, and charge it with the crystal, then more of the plants. I mean, they've done years of experiments with plant growth and it's you know 400 times faster than the regular rate from tap water. For wow. 400 times depending on where what city your tap water is from at least for germination i'm not sure yeah. about the plant growth yeah. but yeah. germination is wow yeah so when so your book uh, how long how long were you thinking about writing that and how long did it was it quite a process is it something you've been thinking of for a long time and you and you did it finally yeah. or because i mean it's pretty yeah yeah pretty sure. amazing work <clears throat> thank you yeah and yeah well it started 40 years ago yeah uh, that's what i wondered yeah <laughs> Yeah, and it's the combination uh, of all that, and then so then I was aware of Bucky Fuller's work, and then I I did a a vision quest uh, up in the Adirondack Mountains when I was twenty one, um, and when and where our cabin is is eight miles from where you leave the car, and I was just way out in the deep wilderness, and and in that I saw this double spiral pattern that I talked about in the book. You see it in sunflowers, and everything. right at the peak of this journey, I saw that pattern, and so that became a really guiding talisman and symbol for me which i write a lot about in the book and um and then about like i said about 20 years ago i met nasim and foster both of whom were working together and and um developing the application of these ideas into science and physics and atomic structures and all that and so it just it and then my i've been a musician my whole life so understanding the 12 tone nature of the music system, which relates directly to the vector equilibrium, which relates directly to the physics. And that's the whole point of my book is they're all one system. Um, 
it, it all just became more and more clear to me that there's a simplicity of this, this nature of the system that um, I wanted to write about. And I got enough understanding about the physics, about Bucky's geometry, and my understanding of the double by spiral, and then how that fits in with the platonic forms, how it's all tensegrity based, harmonic organized, you know, one whole system. Um, and I, I've been doing presentations as I, I think you read there, I'm a, you know, I'll, I'll be a lifetime member of Cosm Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, Alex and Allison Gray's wonderful place in New York state. And I've done presentations there over the years. So I've been honing, like, what's the story I want to tell. And, um, about three and a half years ago, I was like, okay, it's time, time to write. And I, by circumstances, ended up living at my mom's house in Connecticut after my dad died and was with her for the last four years of her life, which, you know, gave me a chance to take a break from being, I've been a producer, you know, and I've had big projects on my shoulders for like 20 years at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I need a break. And I was like, oh, I could write book now. And I also wrote a bunch of music too. So it just gave me a chance to like get it going. That's awesome. Um, and so, yeah, so three and a half years ago, I, I dove in and thankfully I feel confident about writing. So <laughs> it uh, came out mostly like you see it there yeah, and yeah. I've been working on it and getting yeah. all the illustrations and worked with an awesome 3d graphics guy who's actually working with us on thrive two right now. Yeah. Um, to do the illustrations for the book. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it all came together nice. quite nicely. Was it your experience that you wrote about in the book with the butterflies? Or yeah. was that, was that during the vision vision class? Or? It was, it was. Can you just it was. explain that quickly before? We yeah. Yeah. To... Well, you know, uh, I think we can talk freely here on this show. Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. So, so, uh, so I was 21 and I had some psilocybin mushrooms and uh, first time I ever went up to my family's cabin. I've been going there since five years old. And like I said, it's remote. It's in the high peaks wilderness of the Adirondacks. And, um, so I had this quest to go do this journey and I went up, uh, I actually used the I Ching to divine kind of some things. And then I use a pendulum to figure out where to go. And, nice. and I was going, and it was up this brook and I went up to the highest point on this brook I'd ever been to. It's right in the cradle of these mountains that look like three pyramids and everything. It's just incredible. And, um, it's about eight in the morning and I, I took the mushrooms and I put them up in the sun on a rock to kind of just let them cleanse in the sunlight. And then took up all my clothes and got in this icy cold water from the brook, most pure water. You can drink it right straight from the brook. It's so pure. It's the most incredible water. <clears throat> and I stood, on, <clears throat> I stood on the rocks in the morning sunlight to just dry off. And a butterfly came in and landed on the rock near me. I'm like, oh, cool. And then another one came in and landed and walking around. Then another one and a couple more. And they just kept coming in and then I'm watching them. And then they started getting on my feet. And there's two and three and four and five. And then a few more fly in. And I, I stood there for half an hour and ultimately 20 butterflies got on my legs. And there was like another 20 on the rock around me. And I was just like, Oh, I don't know what the hell just happened, but I'm so in like this bliss. I was like, I don't even know if I should take those mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) It might bring me down. And uh, so it was, it was absolutely remarkable. And I do write about it in the book because Ever since then, I've, I've thought, you know, how do these butterflies communicate, you know, 
dude, there's a guy on the rocks with water on his legs and on it. We could go drink it or whatever they were doing. I'm not sure what their motivation was. That certainly must've been part of it, but you know, here they are in the woods. I couldn't see them until they all showed up, but somehow they communicated with each other. Not only like I'm here, but he's over there. He's at this location. Come on over. <laughs> it's just remarkable. And yeah, so that blew my mind. And then I did ultimately take the journey. And yeah. at the peak of that, like I said, I went into a meditation and I saw this double spiral pattern. <laughs> and that became, I mean, it's on the cover of my book and sunflower and everything. And it's really quite profound when I've come to understand how that pattern is manifesting and what the nature of the phi ratio is, what role is it playing, which I actually uh, learned from the work of Richard Merrick. Um, and he, you know, he basically looked at it from the interference patterns of sound and music perspective and saw that there's resonance where you can get the harmonics and the notes. And then there's gap where it's gaps where it's silent. And the, those gaps are defined by the phi ratio and the Fibonacci sequence. And so it's actually playing a role of taking the, the non-whole number frequencies and spinning them down back to the zero point through these Fibonacci vortices. And it's just like, whoa, that's it. And, and then you could see it in all the spirals and all the definition of form where there's space and you know, form and formlessness. That's what's creating all, you know, form is a resonance and the space in between or around is the stillness. And it's like, wow, so awesome. Very and awesome. And then you see it in the platonic forms. They're all defined by those ratios and they embed in those ratios with each other. And in and ancient awesome. structures. I mean, and they were building to this stuff and, you know, thousands of years ago. Yeah. They, I mean, it, they knew. They, they knew. They knew. Yeah, something else happened on this planet than we're told. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for yeah, sure. Yeah. So, how's Thrive Two coming then? And and how was your experience like now that now looking back on Thrive because that was a pretty important movie. I think that I think that was that played a pretty big sh uh, part in in the shift of of a lot of people. And I mean, I think that was the goal of the movie. But I mean, it really like I was glad that you guys broached some of those subjects that you could have probably left left off the table you know well you know i have to totally credit foster gamble and kimberly for for that i mean foster and thrive one really just he's one of the most amazing researchers he's so deep and rigorous on researching and he's got binders and shelves of binders you know and so he put this whole picture together and just like i gotta tell the story and um you know with kimberly's incredible eye towards doing so in a in, from a place that was just purely compassionate without an attitude or without you know overlaying something on it and it came through beautifully from that for that reason and yeah it was a very impactful film and it's over 86 million documented views now wow uh, the largest most widely seen doc independent documentary in history wow that's great it's it's huge and so um yeah and so thrive you know, well, basically we're doing Thrive 2 because when Thrive, after Thrive 1 came out, Foster and Kimberly were contacted by people all over the world. Like, I've got this free energy, I've got this healing, I've got this environmental restoration, all these, you know, things. And there's like a thousand of them. And they, they got some people to help do some vetting. And okay, many of them were just concepts somewhere. They thought they had something, but they really didn't. But there were those that actually 
were real mm-hmm. and are real. And there's like so much cool stuff. It's all based on accessing the field through harmonics and frequencies and resonance and, you know, quantum interaction. And um, whether it's an energy or healing or environmental restoration or all the different gravitational, you know, <laughs> control. And they at certain point said, you know, we need to share this. We need to share that the unified field is real and that the, the interaction with this field and these effects and therefore these technologies that people are developing are real and they're here. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not just coming, they're here. And with humanity's embracing of the reality of there being a unified field, our understanding of it scientifically, and then the application of it through developing technologies, that uh, it, it's what's needed to make the shift. We can't make the shift we're in without grounding it in a very practical way. And yeah. as Bucky Fuller would say, you obsolete the old systems. You don't try to change them, you obsolete them. And so this, it's, it's a, you know, it's a process of doing that compassionately to obsolete the old that's going to need to collapse. It's going to yeah. collapse anyway. Yeah. But find, create those things that make it possible to have a place to evolve into. And that's what's happening. And so Thrive 2 is, you know, going to help to tell that story and um, make, it, make it so people can understand that it's real. Wow, that sounds fantastic. When's that coming out again? Uh, sometime next year. I don't know. The, you know, we're yeah. in the thick of it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like uh, 2020 yeah. kind of thing? Yeah. 2020, yeah. yeah. Uh, we are working hard for, is it, for is it tricky keeping that to the point where it doesn't attract too much attention from people that might want to squash that kind of information i mean i don't want to get too conspiratorial yeah. but i mean yeah. you know we hear we've all heard about the free energy suppression over the years yeah 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 well there there is a there's a an important safety factor because it's very true and real that um people have been killed or or threatened or, you yeah. know, undermined and yeah. bought out all the ways that that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is still happening. Um, so there's a, there's a balance of, um, what, you know, like I can share that conceptually with you guys. Yeah. But I'm not going to go into the specifics. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's changing though, very rapidly. Like it is still happening, but there's also, such a growing momentum that some of what was considered a lot more dangerous, let's say, um, let's say even like the legalization of cannabis or even here in like in Denver and in Oakland, they, they passed the decriminalization of, of plant-based psychoactive medicine, you know, and so these things are no longer being able to be suppressed and controlled. Yeah. And that's happening and it's going to happen. And, um, you know, so for our part, we want to inform people and inspire people and inspire a, a very kind of a optimistic and innovative perspective on the fact that this stuff is real and it's not far off in the future. It's here now. Yeah. And, you know, to make the transition from where we're at into these things is, has to be done with the, with a conscious compassionate approach that's that can provide safety and security and appropriate transition 
as much as possible. And at the same time, we're in a very critical transition period where we don't have a lot of time given the instabilities. In yeah. yeah, to try and to try and do that without polarizing things even more would be tricky as well, you know, to keep yeah. to try and keep it very compassionate yeah. to everybody and not picking sides maybe or that kind of thing i mean th- yeah. there's also the new interest in you know i mean there's also the interest in consciousness and the occult and magic and ufos are now kind of more mainstream they're accepting a lot of people now that you know that it's been yeah. in, the, in the news and they're not completely ridiculing it anymore people are right. open to a lot of these different things now so maybe the timing's timing's right it's it's definitely surging fast yeah. these days <laughs> And it needs to, and I, yeah. you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's an inevitable process. If we don't blow the show beforehand, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it's an inevitable process that is natural. It's a natural emergent process in a species like ours, who's evolving with these capacities now. And our consciousness has to evolve with it, and it is. Yeah. So. Right on. Yeah. That's yeah. probably a good bingo, spot bingo. to end. Hey, we don't want to keep you too long. Darren, do you have anything else? or what do you No, want? I think that's pretty good. Yeah, my mind's uh, thoroughly fucked for the rest of the night. I think I'll <laughs> leave it that. <laughs> Take the night do, off then. Do you, yeah. have, do you have anything else you want to add before we let you go? Well, you know, check out my book. You can go to cosmometry.com and learn about it. Go to Amazon as of today. It just got released on Amazon in the Kindle. That's and great. Print yeah. versions. Uh, oh, now we can get a print copy. Yeah, we're going to get one for the studio yeah, for sure. Copy. It's going to be like a I reference. I heard it's not on Amazon copy. Canada quite yet, but I think it takes like a day or two <laughs> to Mother reach up fucker. north there. We probably <laughs> won't get, we probably won't get Thrive 2 up here either, so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll VPN it. We'll VPN yeah, it. Yeah, it. <laughs> well, if we can't find a reason before then, we'll have to have you back on the show when Thrive comes out. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd love to do that. Yeah, yeah. anytime. Yeah, 100%. Anytime. Real joy. I, I love your guys' uh, ways of thinking and how you kind of both play off of different ways of looking at the same thing and great questions. And uh, you guys obviously know a lot about what's happening. Awesome. Well, we try. We try. Yeah. Yeah. Just... We cheat. Just a couple, couple we just talk to smart idiots. people like you a couple times a week, and then it just sort of <laughs> percolates. Yeah, well, it's, it's something by osmosis. Is that that, yeah, that's yeah. something. Yeah, it's uh, it's in the it's in the ether. It's like it's, by, it's like hanging out in a rich neighborhood, so you can you know you like uh, I forget yeah. what that. If you hang out in a rich neighborhood, you end up rich. Yeah, exactly. So we just hang out with smart people. <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah. That's what I've been doing this whole time. Yeah. Well, I'm, I spent my twenties hanging out in bars, so that didn't go so well for me. I hear you. I hear you. So we'll link we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes as well. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. 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 So. And then I don't know if you guys know about our our delegate uh, retreat in the redwoods here in Santa Cruz in July. If you go to residencescience.org and look up that, we're going to have Foster and Kimberly Gamble there. Bruce Lipton and uh, Greg Braden. They're oh, going to nice. come in through Zoom. Oh, that's uh, great. All of the scientists from Resident Science Foundation are going to be there. Um, they're going to be like mini TED Talk style resonance talks and awesome musicians like Elijah Ray is going to be there. Well, if you guys uh, need an official podcast to go around with you guys and podcast these things out, we could interview everyone who's there. You know, we could be like your little media section. Right on. Right yeah. on. Cool. And you just need some art crystals. So where do we get yeah. the where do we get the link from that? That's in the Resonance Foundation. Resonancescience.org. Yeah. Wow, that's that's fantastic. Put that in there too. That'd be great. Yeah. Right on. Well, we hope you have fun in the Redwoods. Thanks. And uh, come back anytime, Marshall. Awesome. I appreciate Thanks, it, guys. That was great. Thanks a lot. All Bye-bye. right. I enjoyed it very much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay. Okay. Take care. Take care. Take care. Bye bye.
And that was our chat with uh, Marshall Efforts. What do you think, buddy? Well, let's chalk that to one of my absolute favorites. That was a pretty good one, eh? Sure, yeah. Got some growing earth in there. You know when you get that new, like it's like a step up and kind of understanding or or what you You stepped up, you leveled up. Leveled up, yeah. (laughs) Leveled up in the platonic slope. In your understanding of of unified. It it helped, like reading the book was great, but it helped him actually just explaining it in his own words. I don't really understand unified field theory. I don't know. Uh, well, I don't think it's called that. It's the unified physics model, I think. Is what oh, is it? That's what, well, that's what Nassim's was. But his his is called, you got the unified theory, field theory is the old name for, his is called, he says, exploring the holofractal nature of the cosmos, a unified model of cosmic geometry, physics, music, and consciousness. Ah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I always model. think I don't understand it, but then it seems to make more sense to me than I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're pretty smart sometimes. So. Sometimes, eh? Yeah. What'd you think? It was good? Yeah, yeah it was pretty yeah. good. I think that that's what's responsible for pair production. I'd like to talk to Neil Adams again now. Maybe not Neil Adams, though. Maybe we could find someone else down that... Uh... Why? I don't know. We're just, well, we could talk to Neil Adams, I don't Neil know if Adams there's anybody too. else that's really uh, a proponent of the growing art theory. I think there's a few. Really? Yeah, I thought there was a few. I thought Neil was just really rehashing and doing a good visual presentation of someone else's work. But maybe someone out in the audience can let us know about that. Let us know if you know a growing earth person. Um, I did tweet Neil Adams again, and he didn't respond. But uh, I'll try again. Because mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to go down that rabbit hole now that we've gone down. I can't wait to get this book in the studio and just peruse it constantly. Well, you shouldn't have moved to Canada. I guess you were born. Well, we got here. lots of people in the. We got lots of friends out in the states. We can get it. They can buy it and ship it to us with some cash in the pages, because that's how we keep this show going with your support, with no ads, no sponsors, no corporate overlords, no commercials, just you guys. And if you don't support the show, the show won't exist, and uh, that'll be it. I mean, no more Grammarica. Remember that podcast we used to listen to, Grammarica, that's gone because we didn't support it. Because support the show because you don't want that to happen. Grandamerica.ca slash support uh, as little as a buck a month. I mean, obviously, we prefer you sign up for 25 bucks a month. That's what we put the value at. Five bucks seems to be the most, uh, the most common. That's about a buck a show. But we'll settle for a buck a month because 99% of you don't bother to do that. So if we could get 50% of you... That's half of you, so that means don't assume someone let's else just, is going to do it. You just could do, do it. Two, two percent. If I way. shoot for 50, we might get one. Okay. So we're going to have 50% of you this day, th- this week. We'll do odd days. Okay. So if your birthday is on an odd day, you got to sign up today. America.ca slash support. We love you. Uh, do all the other stuff in the show notes too. Review yeah. the show. Email Graham. Share the show. Spam Graham. Graham Sign people up for the newsletter. Be kind to each other. Have some good vibes for the weekend. Support the show. Uh, You went to stillness. Namaste. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. It was a plain old day. It it was a plain old day. Just sipping on my lemonade. And also feeling chilling in the shade. Waiting for that day that I get paid. I'm the rock and roll jukebox. The rock and rock and roll jukebox. That's me. I'm the rock and roll jukebox. But maybe I should take my dreams out to the curb. 
nice to even try Little Shadamas, with the blood in there with the prophecies and no Shadamas Lottery ticket, the, the, the lottery ticket Lottery ticket, the lottery ticket You feel me? Can you feel this? Can you feel this? Broken heart Broken heart You use too many plastic bags You use too many plastic bags Second verse There's some more important matters at hand Like earlier in the first verse when I said I was Chilling in the shade Sipping on my lemonade That was the flat out lie Actually the time came It's the dead of winter I saw the greatest minds of my time Black out in the media fog Can you feel this? Broken heart You use too many plastic bags You use too many plastic bags You use too many plastic bags Please don't tell me That our future is as bleak as it's seeming All you beautiful minds out there Keep on dreaming With meaning Can you feel this? Feel this broken heart